If you want to get paid, you better take Bitcoin or else yeah. you're not getting paid today. You better download this app right now because I ain't washing no fucking dishes. All right. And you're accepting this money I'm giving you. Didn't I write a blog about that being difficult? Yes, you did. I should start being more difficult. And you should start, you start passive, listening to yourself. Yeah, a little passive bitch. Marcello, you were just, I could feel you shaking your head, by the way, from like 10 feet away <laughs> when I was like, Dude. um, so Bitcoin, do you know what it is? And the guy was like, what? Um, Visa, bro. Slide your card. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Happy New Year. Welcome to episode number 33 of the Bitcoin Podcast. Well, I'm your first host, Marcello. <laughs> and I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. And we're brought to you by EscrowMyBits.com. Let me tell you about Escrow My Bits. It's super easy. Only three steps. All you got to do is register and deposit Bitcoin. The seller ships the item. The buyer checks the goods, releases the funds. You know the deal. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate, euros, yen, USD, that useless Canadian money. I don't know if I should say that since we got a Canadian on the show today, uh-huh. but it's all covered. And uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, second host, D, drove me to the post office and the line was so long that he left me to go to the convenience store to take a shit, came back, and I was still in line. So don't be like me. Um, use an escrow story. service. That's true. I'm not making that up. I was in line for 40 minutes. <laughs> so they currently offer Bitcoin escrow chain pay to a fiat value using new bits. No complex math at the point of sale is needed because new bits is the world's first stable digital currency. They charge a small flat escrow fee of just 1% on all transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other person or party. They thought of everything. Your funds are kept in a two or three multi-signature transaction. They hold on to one. You get the rest. You take it home. Escrow My Bits was great to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. So their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. And we at the podcast, we don't want there to be any excuse on why not to use escrow. So start the process, go to their website, make sure you sign up for the newsletter and stay up to date. That's escrowmybits.com. So what's up, gentlemen? Happy, happy new year. Yeah. What up? Happy 2016 up in this bitch. Um, man, I wouldn't have to, had to take that deuce if it wasn't for that fog going straight through me. <laughs> it was right after it's all good and then, so that's a true story though man, that, yeah, man. i i filled out my paper wrong and they booted me to the back of the line and i couldn't find a pen and shipping to germany was 77 dollars so the whole thing Jeez. was just terrible yeah i walked in and yeah. i saw that line and i was like nope i gotta go i gotta go deuce this is gonna be too long i gotta get out of here Anyways, enough shit talk. <laughs> <laughs> enough shit talk. Let's let's get into uh, 
in the wait. Happy New Year to you, Bra- uh, Brazilian. Happy New Year. Feliz Novo Ano. How do you say that? Feliz Novo Ano. Feliz Novo Ano. I'm sorry, Aaron just corrected me. Feliz Ano Novo. Feliz Ano Novo. Your secretary. Secretary. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Corey, because you're in Brazil, and I don't think that you give us enough forecast. Did you know that? Did you know that 51% of Coinbase users are international, and Brazil is the country most rapidly adopting Coinbase. And we don't hear anything. We don't hear anything about what's going on over there, man. We gotta know. Yeah, I don't know anybody here that talks about Bitcoin. <laughs> My small community of friends have no idea what it is, and when I try to introduce it, they're just like, "Okay." <laughs> so who's on ramping all these people? Uh, Sao Paulo. It's got to be in Sao Paulo because it's Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is the business center of of Brazil. What happens if you go to Sao Paulo and then just toss our stickers in the air like it's money? Just (laughs) just throw them up in the air, you know? I don't know. I I mean, Sao Paulo is like the second biggest city in the world. Is that big? Yeah, Mexico City, I think Sao Paulo. Man, there's Uh, so much I don't know about the globe because I was raised underneath an American education. (laughs) Where <laughs> world geography is like a three week class. <laughs> it's like it's it's yeah. it's ridiculously huge. Yeah, man. It's like, hey, and while we're gonna ta- we're gonna take a pause learning this American history for a couple weeks and remind you that there is a rest of the planet. Oh, okay. I mean, right back. Yeah, to it's history. it's not even like we in America. I had. It's even worse for Texas because I think I every, in every year of history, which is American history, I also had a, a concurrent course that was Texas history. <laughs> At no point in my entire like grade school career did I ever learn about the rest of the world until I got to like the upper echelons of high school and had European history. Yeah. The rest of it was just like, yeah, the rest of it kind of exists. You learn geography and then that's about it. And then they turn European history into some very boring version of Game of Thrones. So you don't even want to pay attention. It's just like, yeah, here's Game of Thrones without the dragons and the death, really, and a lot of plague. So, back to America. JFK was shot in the head. And, like, I'm just saying, like, that's what U.S. history is like. That's what that's what learning about the world is like in America to everyone who's not listening. So, hate us if you want to. Yeah, we won World War Two. So, <laughs> so what, what about uh, what about some price predictions for 2016 as a whole? And I want to know your prediction, and then I need some perspective on why you think that. Wait, and I'll actually put, weigh in before you put it on us. I'm going to throw it right back at you. I'm returning the serve. You want me to go first? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well. I think long-term predictions are hard, but I think from I think from a price perspective, it's hard not to be bullish. And at this time last year, I believe I stuck my neck out and predicted a period of stability. So for 2016, I expect that pattern to reverse itself, but with the decline and consolidation not coming until late in the year. That's my 
That's my prediction. Because there are already signs of some turbulence in the credit markets, um, particularly at the high yield end. And then secondly, the publicity surrounding the mainstream finan- financial sector's interest in the, in the principles behind the blockchain will make the advantages of a, of a peer-to-peer ledger seem obvious to those who've ignored it up until now. So I guess if you couple the emerged interest and, uh, of course, you know what? None of that's even going to matter if Bitcoin cannot deal with the biggest single hurdle that it's going to face this year, and that's scalability. So I think the biggest push will come in July when, when the block rewards halving come into effect. So price. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say in July, because of the halving, halving? it's going to hit 700 the how yeah there's some risks that will lead to more concentration in mining but that reduced supply is going to cause a spike in the price i'm going to say 700 800 in july by july mm. 700 or 800 that's a that's a drastic difference uh, mine was going to be bigger mm-hmm. i was going to say 500 to 750 throughout the whole year i think that's the range that we stay in why uh, just because I put a poll on Twitter and 15 people responded. And <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, so you you polled the audience who wants I to be did. a millionaire style. I did. I polled the audience. And then um, remind me to put in post-production that who wants to be a millionaire music in the background right now. Um, <laughs> I polled the audience and 50% of you guys, no, 67% of you guys said it's going to be 500 to 750 USD. Now, when you say 67%, that's 67% of like what? Seven people? people. How many? All right, well. (laughs) So 10 people. You're not necessarily dealing with big data here. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Wisdom of the masses, baby. (laughs) No. um, uh, Let me get my own prediction, though, and stop being lazy here and use my brain, brain machine. Let's see. We're close to 500 now. Psych. We're closer to 400. We're at 430. Um, I think the halvening or halvening or whatever, however you're saying it, uh, that's going to affect the price a lot more than people think it is. Because right now there's so many people with so much luchadoro on the side. That's a bad word for money. So much fettuccine on the side. Just like kind of waiting. I don't know what they're waiting for. It's kind of like you see that kid at the pool who wants to jump in, but he's kind of being a bitch about it. You know, you guys know, you guys remember seeing that in the summertime. Yeah. You know, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it." Is it the I'm fat gonna, kid? I'm gonna do it. That leaves his shirt on, and you're like, "Man, just take your shirt off, fat kid. Just be a fat kid." Yeah. Well, that was me, and I would usually take the shirt off, but it took a while. It took a while. No, you but took the shirt off. You took I, the shirt off. I did Rick Ross it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you see that kid and he's like, oh, I'm going to do it. It's like, he's like three feet from the pool. And he's like, anyways, enough of the story. Um, wall street's going to get in this bitch because they're going to see that they have to, because it's only going to be a matter of time before they start realizing like, oh, we can't just build our own blockchain. We can't, that's like building our own internet. I mean, we could try. So you're, saying, you're saying the same thing I'm saying, you know, I am. Yeah. I was like the, the, the people that have been ignoring this will not be able to ignore it in 2016. Well, I don't think that they're ignoring it. I think that they're trying to be indifferent towards it. 
they're trying to say like, oh, Bitcoin is cool. We're just going to use this blockchain thing. And, you know, we're going to give Bitcoin its credit where it's due. That's for the blockchain. But other than that, nah, we're not going to use it as a currency. But they're going to start to realize, like, if you want to have your own blockchain, you've got to tokenize it. You know, you've, you've got to have some sort of mechanism to transfer the data. And on top of that, you've got to make sure that data is secure around thousands of computers around the world. Come on, man. Just use the Bitcoin blockchain. But in order to use the Bitcoin blockchain, you have to own Bitcoin. So it's, you know, they're going to realize that and they're going to go, oh, well, how do, how far can I fit my foot into my mouth? And they're going to try. So no, they'll just turn around and say, yeah, that's what we've been saying the whole time. Don't, don't you remember? <laughs> yeah. Remember that one time when I said maybe? Well, well, uh, <laughs> well that's what I'm talking about now. Um, so let me see, um, price, um, $751.73 by July 27th. This cat daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Mark it, mark it down. (laughs) Pin it. So what was the doctor's prediction? Uh, Dr. Petty. Let's see. I mean, looking at the price and the way it moved throughout this past year, it's been relatively stable. Uh, and it's excluding the first like month we had the drastic drop from like $1,200 to around 550 or so. And then it's been moving around in a mostly like relatively smooth way since then. And over the past, like the, the last half of the year, it's been really stable relatively. Mm-hmm. And that stability has also been a slow, in, a, a overall slow incline. So I'm thinking that slow incline will maintain with a few key accelerants based on what happens with the block, the block size increase. However, that debate ends up over the next couple months. Uh, then these these real large companies that are building really key on ramps and usability use use cases for Bitcoin are going to come online and start to get real, real customers, a real amount of customers using it, which increases the usability of Bitcoin. That'll probably, in my opinion, accelerate the price in a good way. I'm thinking like the average price of the last quarter will be around 750 and probably around 680 between the like third quarters of the year. Yeah, I think I think Bitcoin, there's going to be a few there's going to be a few booms and busts along the way, where big swings of maybe fifty to seventy five dollars. Mm. Other than that, I think it'll be slow, steady increase. And next year will just be like the year of the year of everyone's using Bitcoin without without really knowing it. Yeah, it's it's gonna have to be a without knowing it kind of thing, because oh they will, but they won't really know how they're using it. They're just like, oh, this is built with Bitcoin, so I trust it because that's how the banks are using it, and that's what everyone's doing now. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, that's the way it's gonna have to be. I know one thing is that 
Bitcoin needs to start doing some soul searching when it comes to how it appeals to the masses. Because we, we say mass adoption is the only thing that matters. But right now, Bitcoin isn't doing a good job of massively appealing to people. Like the internet has, you know, the, the internet had to become fun to get people on it. it. You know, you could bank online. Yeah, that was cool. All right. What made the internet fun? Facebook. Social media. That's what did it. That's I, that's got so many people on the internet. That's what has old people around the globe saying, well, I searched for it on Facebook and I couldn't find it. It's like, go to Google. What are you doing? Because they just got on the internet just for Facebook to see all their friends and family. And they don't know how to do anything else. And that's so why Facebook a, is a trying. A massive to- increase in interconnectedness, right? Yeah, pretty much. Facebook right, well, and That is media. the Bitcoin network. I mean, that the interconnectedness is sending anybody money anywhere in time for free. And not having to go with the third party media. It's just you need the applications to be able to do it and enough people using it. See, all that is cool, but a lot of people won't, e- a lot of people are going to zone out and start drooling on themselves when you say third party intermediary. They're gonna no, go you don't on. need to say that stuff. It's going to be things that people already use because it's probably going to be incorporated into, into banks. Like you've already seen some banks just allowing you to deposit Bitcoin into your bank account. And you can hold it there. They essentially have Bitcoin yeah. wallets as a part of their service. That's going to happen on a broader scale this year as well. I think well, one that's of exactly the- one of the things that it makes this use case scenario. It, it's using we've we've said this time and time again. It's using the current infrastructure that everyone's accustomed to to while using Bitcoin at the same time, and that makes them comfortable. And when they, when everyone's comfortable doing this, you can start to change the way people do transactions because. Bitcoin allows you to do that. So as they slowly and slowly and slowly move the backend infrastructure to mostly Bitcoin and blockchain technology, then people slowly and slowly start to be like, oh, this is cool new way of doing things when all the while it's been available this whole time. They just weren't comfortable doing it. And as that happens, the price goes up. We're Trojan horsing. Oh. We're Trojan horsing the world. Essentially. Okay. I know you the- just take like a more aggressive approach. Like instead of making it fine, why don't you just be like, this is – this is why Bitcoin matters. Once and eventually when Bitcoin reaches the masses, it's going to be too late for most people. And they're just going to be paid in Satoshis and millibits. And they'll never even see a full Bitcoin in their wallets ever because they took too long to get on board. Probably not. So, Have you ever maybe, tried to start a cause and sell someone and force someone into believing why something matters? It's no, nearly what? impossible. Yeah. Have you seen that video of that guy dancing like a fool in the park? and? <laughs> Which the, there's like thirty of those, <laughs> and, then the, and then the second guy joins him, and they're saying that the leader isn't the first guy; the leader is the second guy because then he makes it okay for other people to join him dancing in the park. So the first guy is a social nutbag. Yeah, the first guy is the nutbag, but then if someone else joins him, that's the actual leader, not the first guy. Oh my God! So Gavin is Gavin is the one. And then before you know it, there's four hundred people dancing in the park. Who are we? Are we the second guy or the first guy? Oh man, we're like the we're like the thousandth guy. Yeah, we're, I don't know. I mean, we're early. Don't get me wrong. We're we're early. Yeah, but, but we're not that early. No, we're not Gavin early. I'm Gavin's. 2013 early. It's 2016, so I feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Two, 2013, early 2013 is when I knew about Bitcoin. So. You know, yeah. I've I survived the goxing, and I need that needs to be on a shirt. I survived. <laughs> I survived the goxing 
because man, that took a toll on you when it's like, oh, thousand dollar Bitcoin, I'm winning, I'm fucking winning, and then six months later it's like two hundred dollar Bitcoin, I'm losing, I'm fucking losing bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an exciting time though. It's like being from the New England Patriots to the Detroit Lions. Sorry <laughs> to my friends that like the Detroit Lions, but it was a bad, bad time. But anyways, price predictions, Cello, you say seven eight hundred. Seven to eight hundred. I'm saying seven hundred and fifty one dollars and seventy three cents. And Corey, you're saying six eighty to six eighty mid year to seven fifty third quarter. Six eighty mid year, seven fifty third quarter. Okay, good stuff. So we'll we'll come back to this episode eleven months from now and see where we at. Hell yeah. Let me if archive remember. that right now. <laughs> archive. Alright, so our, our first interview of twenty sixteen. You wanna get into that? Yeah, let's do that. Alright, it's a it's an important one because the blockchain's ambiguous, yet as many listeners of this podcast already know, it continues to be misunderstood. So just saying that like a business can use blockchain technology means very little because you know businesses are built in the daily grind by forging enduring relationships with users and creating communities. You can have a good team with a lousy product, or you can have an amazing idea with no execution. So Bitcoin and blockchain companies need to first focus on solving problems, and that's what the Equibit platform kind of does. So they were first announced in July. Our guest is the CEO, Chris Horlocker. He gathered a team which includes our past guest from the show, Mr. Christian Saucier, and they created the first Bitcoin-based, or excuse me, blockchain-based OTC market. So OTC is over-the-counter, and the platform will allow to trade securities without intermediaries. Now, that sounds dry, but it's actually going to help save billions of dollars of fees. That's billions with a B to the brokers and the trading agents, and it will bring the money to the development of businesses. So as we talk to him, uh, we figure out you know the benefits that they're going to bring the investors and issuers, and we also talk about the Canadian economy and the housing market because, as we all know, it is not good. So we can get into that. Okay, here it is. All right, uh, Chris, you're in Canada, correct? I am Toronto. Toronto. So hey. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this. Uh, I'm gonna start this interview on a dark note, but I, I guarantee you, it's gonna get. It'll be brighter. <laughs> um, first off, I, I just wanted to say that the Canadian dollar has has tumbled to its lowest level since mid 2004, and weak global equity and commodity markets have been the triggers for the increase in risk aversion. So. Uh, could you tell us a bit about the Bitcoin landscape in Canada right now? Is, is there any positive outlooks from the weak state of the Canadian economy? Uh, you, you know, what's your take? Well, yeah, the, the Canadian dollar, uh, U.S. dollar exchange rate is certainly uh, swinging. Uh, we're, we're certainly on the short end of that. And uh, it, it has a lot to do with just the instability of the global markets, really. We're seeing a lot of volatility in the U.S. dollar. Uh, you know, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. And, uh, so right now it's in a, in an up phase, surprisingly enough, you know, the, but, uh, you know, Janet Yellen just raised the interest rates a quarter point. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I, I'm not particularly optimistic for, for 
reintroducing interest rates into the a country but with the, the the amount of debt that it's carrying right now uh the canadian scene uh we are we are fa still facing a a housing bubble here of epic proportions it's it's uh uh on a debt per income uh basis canadians are even further uh out in the wilderness in that aspect than americans were when uh, your housing bubble popped. So mm -hmm. when it finally does get here, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be really bad for the country. For you know, uh, you know, depending on how the government reacts, of course, could uh, could be a pretty significant downturn in the Canadian economy that should last maybe about a year to two years. In uh, a on a on a on a good way, of course. Uh, U.S. economy and and really the global economy has been stagnant for basically since 2001. Uh, the housing boom, uh, the real estate boom in the United States was was an illusion. Uh, gold was going up far faster than real estate was during that time, and uh, so it's a it's 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 a very interesting time to be alive, and it's a very dangerous <laughs> time. To be alive. Well said. <laughs> I, I would just say that. Uh, now, you know, in the midst of all of this chaos comes something completely new. And we have uh, now something called Bitcoin, which was uploaded in January of 2009 by an anonymous person or persons who may or may not be hiding out in Australia somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Down under. Yeah. So uh now all of a sudden we have something that changes our entire internet paradigm. Now now we can create digital scarcity. We can create digital goods uh that cannot be infinitely replicated like every other piece of data there is out there. So the 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 digital landscape has changed fundamentally and now we have uh, what Lord uh, William Reese Malt called in 1997 uh, cyber money. Uh, and that, that's from a book called The Sovereign Individual. Uh, and in that book, you know, 10 years before Bitcoin came out, he pretty much pegged it right on. He said that a digital currency will be created sometime in the near future that will be built on cryptography. And here we have it. And uh, so the, the implications of this invention are, are enormous. Uh, the very first implementation of this was, uh, is, was a value exchange system uh, called Bitcoin. And uh, this is something that you know, costs almost nothing to, to access. Uh, it incentivizes its own manifestation and uh, now people all over the world, anybody with an internet connection, can move around the smallest fraction of a dollar or billions of dollars at the same speed as everybody else and at the same cost as everybody else, which is practically nothing. So the world of transaction processing is now completely different. The Absolutely. way we store information, the way we transmit information... Uh, we can now model things in cyberspace that previously we could never create. 
And so money is only the beginning. And uh, that leads us, I guess, now to uh, my project, which is Equibit, where we're trying to take uh, the next steps with this new communications technology. Awesome. And at Equibit, you gathered a team, you know, to create the first blockchain-based OTC over-the-counter market. And this includes one of our previous interviewees, Kristen Saucier. I hope I got that right. I think I got yep. it right. I think so. And so could you tell us a bit about how all these rock stars came together? How did you, was it like a news team assemble? Or was uh, it like well, a Voltron? <laughs> it, the, the very beginnings of this started in, in about 2011. Uh, I was the CFO of Europe Pacific Canada, uh, which is Peter Schiff's stock brokerage extension into this country here. And uh, this is when I first took note of Bitcoin. And uh, very quickly, I was already familiar with peer-to-peer systems, but very quickly I figured out that this this technology has applications far beyond uh, far beyond just money, value exchanges. And, you know, so being in the securities industry and knowing what uh, the state of the, the, the industry is in terms of its business model and software, I uh, very quickly started thinking about how I could use this technology to help this industry out uh, because there is a lot of, uh, you know, given the level of technology, you know, we have in terms of handling all of these kinds of things and particularly now with the advent of blockchain technology uh, which is the real game changer now uh, you know this is an industry that desperately needs this kind of technology because it, it has the potential to save the world billions and billions and billions of dollars per year which is more money uh, for more investment for more jobs and really you know something that can help build our future uh a lot better than we've ever been able to do before. So part of, you know, part of this is how companies raise money. And this is where we get into the OTC securities industry. Um, so yeah, do, do your listeners want a, a quick lesson in, in that? What do you think, Joe? I think they'd like a quick lesson in how OTC securities work. Absolutely. And I- yeah, and I think they'd be curious to know if you felt if the if the old over the counter equity industry was flawed, and and how you're kind of improving upon that as well. Well, it, it helps to go all the way back to how the concept of a, a stock originated, and this is centuries ago, uh, and they were called joint stock corporations, and they the they pretty much began in the Netherlands, uh, I think in the in the 17th century so this is where the concept of of you know a, a permanent business entity with shareholders began and the concept of shares uh but how do you keep track of who the shareholders are and how much each of them own in in the venture and so you know you came the it was just basically that was how you came up with the idea of shares and you know well a company will have a hundred thousand shares and, and we'll part them out to all of these other people here and then keep track of who those people are. They can trade amongst themselves or with yet more people uh, down the line, which is something called the, the secondary market. 
so that's the beginning of shares. Mm -hmm. uh, that it's basically uh, a mountain of paperwork, uh, figuring out who owns what and what has what transactions have occurred. So specialized companies grew up in this environment who were dedicated to handling those things. Uh, many more, many more things. So, you know, not only do you have uh, who owns what amount of each company, but you also have, you know, how do those companies distribute their earnings back to those owners? Uh, because it's, you know, it's a two-way street. Investors put money in and they get returns out. Uh, but you also have to poll your shareholders every once in a while uh, to figure out, you know, who who the next guy on the board of directors is or who the auditors are going to be uh, or any changes to the corporate bylaws. So there's a lot of things that need, that are involved in having a company with owners. It's a lot, it, it's not enough to be able to know who they are and how much they own. You know, you have to also be able to transfer value to them and you also have to be able to communicate with them. And so uh, that leads us now to blockchain technology. Uh, well, before that, uh, you know, you have those companies that specialize in handling all of those services. And today those, those are called transfer agents. Uh, so they are sort of like the, you know, in banking, you have payment processors. And in the securities industry, you have transfer agents. Mm. If I'm going to make an analogy. Okay, that's clear. So naturally, you know, Bitcoin is a great substitute for a payment system. Naturally, blockchain is also a great substitute for transfer agents. And this is where Equibit comes in. Uh, so Equibit is a specialized blockchain that we've built uh, that synchronizes with the Bitcoin blockchain and the BitMessage blockchain. And now we have a single plot. And now by synchronizing the three uh, and coordinating the communications across each, we can create a user experience that is basically the entire investor relations solution. So now if I'm a company, I can create my equity units, distribute them to my shareholders, pull my shareholders, and distribute my earnings to them. Uh, all on one encrypted peer-to-peer -peer system. Uh, so that was the goal I set out for myself to build in 2011. And, uh, you know, so I guess uh, you had a question about how the how the band got together. Mm -hmm. I guess this is uh, the perfect time. I guess we'll, I, this is the perfect time to talk about that. But... Uh, so at the time, I uh, had uh, been working with Mark Goddard, who's our front-end developer, uh, on a number of little small projects. And uh, I got to know him at uh, a Cambridge House investment conference that I was there at uh, helping run the Mises Institute booth, because uh, I'm on the board of Mises, the Mises Institute of Canada uh, for the, the Austrian economics fans out there. But um, so 
I told this uh, I, I told this idea to Mark. He thought it was a good idea, and so we started to develop uh, this idea into a real system. Uh, and before long, uh, Mark had introduced me to Brent, uh, who's our CTO, uh, and he was uh, an acquaintance of his from university. And uh, he's now a software engineer at Google. And uh, he said, you know, this guy, you know, is one of the only, he's one of the only programmers I, I really, really trust. And you need to meet this guy and, because he can help us with this. And uh, so that's how Brent arrived on the team. And then the three of us got to work on, on our white paper, which is the technical paper uh, describing uh the Equibit blockchain uh, communication, a communications protocol for voting, uh, and some of the other, you know, high-level technical aspects of the system that we're building. Uh, once we had finished that paper and decided, okay, we're going to be building this, uh, I reached out to Nathan Wozniak. Uh, who was in Vancouver at the time, and I just so happened to also be in Vancouver uh, and, you know, wanted to schedule a meeting because I, I, I knew I knew Nathan from, uh, you know, the Bitcoin world. He's a very, you know, high-profile individual, and I wanted to see what he thought about what we were building. And so, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get it to meet him face-to-face -face that visit to Vancouver, but to uh, have a uh, number of times afterwards. And uh, so he was really excited about the idea. And uh, so we partnered up and he introduced uh, probably, you know, one of the one of the most experienced blockchain developers out there, uh, Mr. Christian Saucier, who's going to be our lead backend developer. Uh, and so that's basically how it all happened. So it was pretty organic. Yeah, I think I guess it was just you know the momentum of an idea whose time has come. Voltron was formed. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, what I I touted Christian last time, and I gave him a lot of respect, and I like how everyone you I like how you guys always focus on working with the Bitcoin blockchain, and always making sure that you can communicate. With the Bitcoin blockchain, that's, I mean, why not use that ultimate Why, why reinvent the value exchange system? Just find a way to work with the, the dominant system out there. Exactly. And that, that takes me like directly into our next question because there's some financial incumbents right now that are facing their blockbuster video moment, you know, and they're facing Netflix coming in and, you know, telling them there's a totally different way to do something. And do you feel they're going to come to accept to work with Bitcoin or are they going to keep all this resistance going and like, Hey, we're going to just build our own thing. And you know, how, how do you feel about that? Well, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because uh, the day of our second press release, when we announced that we opened our investment opportunity, uh, the CEO of Computer Share, which is one of the world's largest transfer agents, signed up to our newsletter. <laughs> so I know they're watching us, and uh, you know, hey, watch away. Uh, if you got, if you know, if transfer agents want to survive in 
the modern world, they will have to learn to work with this technology. Nice. You know, so if uh, RCA used to be famous for making vacuum tubes, but they don't make vacuum tubes anymore. What do they make? I don't know. I think they're out of business now. I'm pretty sure they went out <laughs> with Radio Shack. that. Yeah. Radio yeah. Shack and RCA went down at the same time there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just, uh, it's the evolution of, te- of technology and what we're able to do. So I, I don't see necessarily Bitcoin threatening to completely undermine the entire financial system. I see it as a tool for banks to use. Uh, which will lead to vastly lower transaction processing fees uh, between banks, which means you know better services for customers, and uh, that's really you know I, I, if they want to survive in this in, in in the blockchain era, that's sort of the way they'll have to go. And in a, in a in a financial system where Equibit is working out. Uh, Transfer agents will be, you know, the Equibit gateways. Uh, services like uh, what we're planning on building on top of Equibit, where uh, you can be a trust authority and issue certificates to accredited investors or companies that uh, want to convey their their readiness for investment and and the the the, the fact that they've been duly organized. Uh, they've got auditors. They're ready, and they've got the right legalities taken care of. Uh, so that was one other important aspect of the system that we wanted to introduce. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, particularly when you have exchanges between investors who have to meet a certain, I guess, minimum representation. So we call these, these people accredited investors. And it's basically a status that's created through government regulation that says, you know, if your income or assets are above this level, then you can engage in what we feel is more risky behavior. Uh, by cool. uh, Can you tell us a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about the ideas that you have conjured up to provide services to network participants after the network Genesis phase? And you guys are kind of like up and running. Um, any like Bitcoin podcast exclusives you could tell us? <laughs> well, it, it's uh, we mentioned it on our website, equibit.org. Uh, but uh, and I just mentioned it now as well. Uh, so one of the the roles that someone could take up on the network that we're creating would be that of a trust authority. And a trust authority is is you know it can be any actor on the blockchain. But, uh, you know, it, it's it, you're basically offering your own real world representation reputation up uh, to help other people. So this is essentially a, a way for people to vouch for one another on the system. So if you have uh, uh, and, and so the need for this arises because in the OTC market, uh, you have the, you have these things called restricted shares, uh, and I mentioned that there's uh, there's this class of investors called accredited investors, and these are people who meet minimum asset and income levels. Uh, so I believe in Canada, 
in Ontario specifically, because uh, here in Canada, the laws, are, the, the regs are different in every province. Uh, in Ontario, I think it's uh, either above 200000 a year in income or assets in excess of $3 million. Hot damn. Yeah, so <laughs> very small group of investors in, in you know, the, the world of investors. But uh, they get to participate in the OTC market uh, to its fullest extent. Uh, and the OTC market for shares is many, many, many times larger than what you would find on all of the, the stock exchanges combined. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, the New York Stock Exchange has about 2,800 companies listed on it. NASDAQ has a little over 3,000 companies listed on it. Uh, and if and if you combine the TSX and the TSXV, it's a little over 3,000 companies. The North American OTC market has over 15,000 companies listed. It's mm. a lot uh, more. Oh, yeah. So, and you think about uh, what some of the largest investment funds are. And what are they? They're, they're not hedge funds. They're private equity. And, and those kinds of shares are what they invest in almost exclusively. Hmm. So the OTC market is absolutely enormous. Uh, and so, and, and the pr- transaction processing costs are also enormous because it's all done uh, through paperwork uh, or, you know, digital DocuSign stuff. Uh, although many companies uh, aren't that far along. They're still sending mountains of paperwork through the mail, collecting signatures, uh, you know, tallying votes with hand-marked cards. And so uh, <laughs> this is a, a component of this industry that is begging for modernization. And, and again, the blockchain is, is the perfect thing for it. And so already you have big players in the industry, you know, speaking out and saying, yes, the securities industry does need blockchain technology. I mean, Blythe Masters, for Christ's sakes, is going around publicly saying, yes, the securities industry really needs blockchain technology because it is going to save us billions and billions and billions of dollars a year. And so they know as well, they know as, well as I do what uh, the potential for savings for investors and increased investment for entrepreneurs. Uh, so it benefit, you know, using this benefits the, the parts of society that need it the most. And so that's all, you know, that's all about what progress is about. And this is a, a huge step forward in the progress of the financial industry. It, it is. And, and from just crunching the numbers in my head, thinking 15,000 OTC companies, that's a lot of value transfer. That well, well just, a, just the single transfer agent, DTCC, which does, you know, arguably over 90% of the transaction processing in the United States, uh, moved around over $1.6 quadrillion dollars worth of stocks last Jeez. year. Good Lord. 
golly, that's wait, quadrillion. What was the last time you heard quadrillion? Fifteen. <laughs> how many zeros uh, is that? a million billion dollars? <laughs> so nine that's and six. That's fifteen zeros. I'm glad I got it on the first try. Awesome. <laughs> Yay for math teachers. Okay. Yeah, so, and that's just one transfer agent. There's 130 transfer agents in North America, and I, I don't even—I I couldn't imagine across the entire world. Yay for big. So OTC is a very, very, very big industry, and it, I, I am hoping that uh, our platform, our, our collage of blockchains, our, our, our mosaic of of Satoshi's. Uh, I like that. That could be like an <laughs> art piece, right? Mosaic of Satoshi's. Mosaic of Satoshi's. <laughs> uh, I actually have behind me, you, won't, you can't, unfortunately, I don't have video, but I have a, I have a picture that I picked up at the Bitcoin Expo, which is, uh, it's a very interesting piece of art, and it's covered in different, it's covered in the Bitcoin logo, you know, the B, but it's also got piles of other altcoin logos stamped all over it so it's a very interesting picture awesome so it's it's very awesome what you are doing for bitcoin awesome what you're doing for you know pushing forward technology in a an industry that so severely needs it and we're going to ask you one last question it's the toughest question we ask all of our guests i hope you're prepared no, I doubt you didn't prepare, but <laughs> let's see. Sock it to me. All right. In 10 words or less, describe Bitcoin. Ooh, there's so many ways. I only have 10 words. Only 10. You mm. got a Dr. Seuss it right now. I, I <laughs> do. I do. So Bitcoin is... The liberation of mankind from financial toil. Nice. You got it. I like that one. That might be my new favorite. Deliberation from man... Wait. Liberation. Of mankind from financial toil. I like it. That's one of the best answers we've had. Yeah, that's my favorite one. (laughs) Well, thank you guys. That's a great honor. If we had t-shirts, we'd give you one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Um, thank you for, you know, opening people's eyes about Equibit and the OTC market and and what it means for what you guys are actually doing to disintermediate, you know, the people that are a little stuck in their ways uh, when it comes to transfer and value in markets. So All right, thank you for your time. Thank you for yours as well. Absolutely. And uh, give our regards to Nathan and uh, Christian and the rest of the team for sure. Oh, yeah. I definitely will. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right. That was Chris Harlocker from Equibit or Equibit uh, trying to disrupt the giant OTC market. And what we learned in that interview is that just one Pink Sheets market, just one OTC market, and I believe that he said the northwest region or something like that of the U.S., uh, they transact quadrillions worth of monies every year. So 
he's got a hefty hefty uh, disruption on his plate you know he's, he's trying to do a lot i mean that's a that's a that's a massive disruption that's a lot of people not getting paid and that's a lot of angry people with a lot of money that probably have angry regulators in their pocket that they can say hey that he's he's out technologying us and we don't like it so make also on stop. the flip side on the flip side it's it's saving people a lot of money so it's putting a lot of money in other people's pockets that yeah. we're not currently getting it so i mean it, it kind of works both ways where people those people will push for the type of thing where other people will try and get regulation to stop it that's the law of conservation so, of money you know money is neither created nor destroyed but only transferred. I'm not terribly sure that's true. Good news for Canada. <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible law, but it should be a law. Why not? Right? It's kids just create money out of thin air. U.S. government. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, but yeah, Chris Harlocker. Um, a good interview. Very informative. Learned a lot about the securities market, which can seems like it gets really complex. So it's not really something that. I'd look into on my own to like study. But if you are into that thing, if you like OTC trading over the counter, if you're into pink sheets, like uh, what's his name? Belfort from uh, Wolf on Wall Street. Jason Belfort? Not Vitor. Who's Vitor? Seriously? Oh, come on, man. Vitor Belfort? We're moving on. Is that even a name I should know? That sounds like a bootleg mythological it's guy. It's fighting. Oh, it's oh, okay. MMA. Okay. Uh, yeah, Vitor. <laughs> of course, Vitor. Jeez, get out of here. Um, yeah, so look him up, equibit.org. So what's next? What's on the yeah. docket? Um, ba, 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 ba. I, did br- I brought this up to Corey, but I, I don't know if it's... Uh, if it's worth crying about, but last year we didn't really have any killer apps for the Bitcoin protocol. I mean, developer activity was strong, but you know, while much of the in- industry shifted to focus on the blockchain technology this year, I mean, w- we at the podcast we focused on Bitcoin, and then we saw the ecosystem grow nicely, but we haven't really seen much in the way of like really brilliant apps that are inspiring people to make people want to use them. Lawnmower. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. Lawnmower is a godsend. It was gifted to us from the angels of Bitcoin. And it wants everyone to use it that can. And hopefully it's scaling to a point where most everyone can use it. But I mean, I, I can't, I think two and a half to three Bitcoin of a just spare change. Is also, much- so we to clarify that's the, they're not paying oh, us. We just like them. Yeah. I, I like how you say that's- that every time, Corey. Like, they, I they want to don't. make sure that the people home we're not we're not sponsored or advertising for them. We just like them and genuinely like, like want yeah. people to use their product. Them and their product. Is if they want to sponsor us, that's cool too. We don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cello, I think I interrupted you. You were gonna you were gonna slide in there. So you guys are saying that the elusive killer app for the Bitcoin protocol is definitely a lot more. No, I'm saying that there's plenty of apps that are out that people are using. It's just. There, the, the, there's not a lot of people using Bitcoin, so of yeah. of course, it's not like you know someone's going to make an app and then instantly everyone uses Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Or, or there are there are a few that are going to help that things like Plutus that hasn't come out yet, where 
it, but that's Plutus is mainly for the people who already use Bitcoin. But it's the app that makes people use Bitcoin without knowing it. That hasn't quite come out yet. That, that automatically transfers people who aren't using it to using it. Right? Yeah. We're building a lot of on ramps to get people into the space much easier. But people aren't in the space yet. Yeah. So yeah. first you need to allow people to get into the starship and then you can go to the moon. It, what if you didn't though? Like what like like what if there was a candy crush of Bitcoin where you didn't have to understand candy crush, you just jumped on the boat because everyone well, else is playing it. That's oh, kind of what we touched on in the, the beginning part of the episode is that um that 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 really hasn't existed yet, and it, and it and it should, if Bitcoin was smart and knew what it's doing for itself, create something like that this year in 2016 that people are using it without using it. They're all on the spaceship without even knowing that it's going to the moon, um, and I feel like that's just around the corner. But and it's not like it's not like you say you say Bitcoin needs to do this for itself. That's not the case. Bitcoin is a tool. We need brilliant people to use the tool in brilliant new ways. It's it's like saying the internet needs to start doing it doing this shit. No, people need to use the internet to do shit like Facebook did. Yeah, that's true. I, I take that back. But yeah, I take it back. That's people need to start using Bitcoin as the tool that it is, and not just money. That's that's the thing where Bitcoin starts losing people because it's not just money. It's other things. And it's such a complex new abstraction of the human existence that it's just hard to explain to people. Like, remember, I told you I was discussing it with my dad over the break. And, like, you could see it being a concept that's so foreign to him that his body was just rejecting it like it was a virus. He was like, no, (laughs) no, get that Bitcoin out of here. No, I don't understand. If it was was an artificial implant, he would have he would have rejected it and died automatically. Like that first movie of Alien series when <laughs> when she hits the, the baseball bat, yeah, and the cyborg starts flipping out and the the white milk milk blood goes everywhere. That was my dad in the car ride. I thought we were gonna smash into a bridge. Like he was just like, no, fuck Bitcoin. I don't know. It's you can't money can't be other things. Fuck it. I was like, okay, all right, calm down. So, well, what about this uh, open bazaar talk? You think that's gonna help? I have not even looked into that whatsoever. For some reason, it doesn't interest me at all because eBay has never interested me at all. But I love eBay. I'm, yeah, I've never used eBay. It never interested me. I had an eBay shop. I got 100% feedback rating. I was so, I was I was killing it on eBay. So then you're gonna be our uh, open bazaar spec analyst, Corey. You're gonna be. Our analysts for Open Bazaar because apparently it's a decentralized marketplace, so it's like eBay but decentralized. Okay, and- why? How is it different from like Twenty One Network? Or I mean, there's the, 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 here's here's the issue that I'm seeing currently with the entire space of apps in Bitcoin. We have, and it, and it may be a good thing and it may be a bad thing, but only a few will succeed where I think a lot of people will fail almost. Maybe. So you have everyone trying to rush and create new apps, the, new, the next killer app of Bitcoin that we're trying to talk about. Everyone's trying to do this, but they're doing the same thing. And only one of those people will probably end up winning, whereas the other ones with all of their effort will go to waste. And this is kind of the capitalist competition 
thriving society that people want. So you, you have to build something good. Otherwise, it will fail. But a lot of people are going to fail and then get butthurt. And then they can talk about how bad Bitcoin is because they didn't make it. So I, I, we, there's multiple OTC, maybe not OTC, there's multiple people trying to disrupt the market because there's a lot of money there. There's multiple people trying to create marketplaces that are better than what are currently available because there's a lot of money there. There's multiple people trying to disrupt the, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sending money overseas market because there's a lot of money there. But I think only a few of those people will come through and win. Yeah. You know, we use this analogy a lot, but it's the most modern and easiest to see. And that's, were there other Netflixes trying to Netflix Blockbuster? At the time? I don't, I don't, I, can't I, I don't recall. know. I couldn't tell you. There probably was, but I don't know. I mean, streaming was just starting to block to come out. Uh, YouTube, maybe? No. I just no, no. vow to never be one of those guys that sees a new technology and is like, that's stupid. That'll never work. Cause I never want to have to eat my words on that. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably so many people out there that are like, why would anybody want to like the people that first pitch Instagram? Like they're like, why does anybody want to look at just pictures? They don't want to read the status. They just want to look at the picture. That's stupid as fuck. No, we've got Facebook. People post pictures on Facebook, whatever. And then Instagram blows up and they're like, huh? So I guess people do just want to look at pictures of people's faces. I guess that's a thing. <laughs> and then like Foods. Twitter. Like, <laughs> Titties. Yeah. Oh, there's boobies on Instagram? There are boobies Dude, on Instagram. If you go to Instagram, hashtag pajamas, you can see girls in pajamas. <laughs> Put that in the show notes. Hilarious that you know <laughs> that. that. Show notes. I think that is, um, I hope that's not a fetishy thing for you, Charles. Look at girls in their pajamas. I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you an example. Boy okay. shorts. Fill in your own hashtag. Oh, hashtag so, okay. This is another example of why there isn't – well, people are complaining about how there isn't a killer app of Bitcoin. The killer app of Bitcoin probably already exists. It's just people no aren't using it yet or they don't realize what it's capable of, like AirBits, right? People don't realize how, what AirBits is capable of yet oh and my the God, plan that it's going to be. But it's there and it's alive and it's, and it's awesome. It's just, it just doesn't have enough people behind it using it to where other people are like, I like what they're doing. I want to be a part of that. How do I get it? It's hard to get people's attention to like cello. I, I tried to show your wife air bits and it did not go down very well. Then again, we were busy helping you out with uh, the bar cart, but I tried to like you tried to unwrap my wife. Yeah. I tried to show, <laughs> I tried to show her the, the Starbucks gift card and how easy it is to purchase and how smooth it works. The air bits app and it's 20% off on all Starbucks. And I tried to show her, but like we were so busy. It got dude is the hardest stiff arm. It was a, friggin eddie eddie george stiff arm and i was like okay i'm gonna put this phone down now and continue to work on this project but yeah we, it was, we went to get a, a bowl of pho uh midweek and dimitrix like hey you guys take bitcoin and the dude just stared at dimitrix like it was an alien yeah <laughs> You're like, it's not too successful it will because i'm nervous because one we live in a small town but i'm gonna start just being a little bit more assertive with it like hey um, I'm going to pay you in Bitcoin 
And the guy's like, what? We don't, <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. What do you mean? You feel like the least most evangelistic evangelist there is? It's like, hey, uh, bit, 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 Bitcoin? That's pretty much how no? it goes, Corey. <laughs> like, Say I only have Bitcoin. I don't have that. Oh, you that's get a paid. good way to go. If you want to get paid, you better take Bitcoin or else yeah. you're not getting paid today. You better download this app right now because I ain't washing no fucking dishes. All right. And you're accepting this money I'm giving you. Didn't I write a blog about that being difficult? Yes, you did. I should start being more difficult. And that's a little start, you start listening to yourself? Yeah, a little passive bitch. Martell, you were just, I could feel you shaking your head, by the way, from like 10 feet away <laughs> when I was like, dude. Um, so Bitcoin, do you know what it is? And the guy was like, "What? Um, Visa, bro. Slide your card. Get the fuck out of here." So, <laughs> no, that uh, dude was a dork. Yeah, yeah. That's why we so, tagged his motherfucking restaurant. No, kid, we didn't tag it, but we did not put stickers up all over his establishment. We sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, let's riggedy, riggedy wrap. Oh, let me, you know what? Let me walk you guys through uh, the rest of January. Okay. All right, we got Ryan X. Charles from Dat. Yeah. We got Emojin Heap. We got yeah. MK Lords from Airbits. And our, uh, I want to I wanna have a clever intro for him. What was it, what was it TK? TK? What do we call him? Uh, TK Combo? Wasn't it some TK Combo, I believe it was. TK Combo? I don't know what, what we called him. If it wasn't that, then we should probably just start with that. Yeah, TK, we, TK Combo <laughs> is what we called him. Uh, Tawanda Kembo is going to join it. He was our first guest, and he's going to come back on the show. And that's going to wrap up January, so it's a good month. Yeah, man. We're Tune in. For January 2016. Starting off start out. 2016, right? Yeah. Tell all your friends that we're interviewing Imogen Heap, because I know a lot of people know who she is. Because she is a famous artist. Just uh, let go yeah. and tell your friends. Let go of It's so amazing. Yep. And they're gonna say, mm, what'd you say? And you're gonna or say just let go. Image and heap. They're interviewing Image and Heap. Okay, so um plugin. Let's do the plugin. First and foremost, go to thebitcoinpodcast.com. It's our website. Uh there's lots of cool shit on there. In fact, there's so much cool shit, you just have to go look for yourself. Find out. Click away. Um, you'll love it. At Twitter, at the BTC Podcast. Sold! Yeah. Uh, at the BTC Podcast. Cello runs the Twitter. He does a good job. You tweet him, he'll tweet you. Okay? And interact. Come holler plenty at of, us. Plenty of interaction there. And I'm on Zapchain now. Yep. I'm on it. Zapchain.com slash Z slash just two guys. Okay. That's our, that's our community. And so there's been some questions like, how do I join this community? What's this thing you guys are talking about? Well, it's a website called Zapchain.com. You go on there and you can communicate with us and you get paid Bitcoin just to hang out with us. It's really fratty like. You know what I mean? Like, you get paid for friends. You have friends and you pay for them. No, I'm kidding. It's not like that yeah, at it's all. It's the opposite of a friend. Yes. <laughs> it's, um, let's see. Uh, you, you, you ask us a question. We'll pay you some bits. You get interaction. You get bits. You, if your post is awesome, like if you're one of those people that a portion of your life is getting karma on Reddit, 
then you can turn that karma into Bitcoin on Zapchain. Oh, shit. It's like Reddit gold that actually matters. Yep. I just dropped the mic. That's what that was. Um, we got some blogs up recently. I've been writing a blog. It's taking a long time because I'm doing actual research for it. So to kicking it old school. Every other blog is just musings. There's no research in any other blog. Yeah, usually just writing. <laughs> usually just writing shit that I feel. But this one, I was like, eh, I'm gonna go in on this one. I'm gonna actually make sure my ducks are in a row for open my flapper. Okay. Um, let's see what else am I missing here? Oh, of course, uh, SoundCloud. To the lot of you that are listening to us on SoundCloud, you can also subscribe on iTunes. But keep doing what you're doing on SoundCloud. We appreciate it. Um, I know it's a bunch of you from Sao Paulo. To shout out to Sao Paulo, Corey, how do you say shout out to Sao Paulo in Brazilian? I don't know how to say shout out. How would I say anything in Portuguese? That's like, thank you for listening to the show. Muito obrigado. There we Muito go. obrigado. Obrigado. Muito obrigado. Oh, say ah, retar? Easy, easier. Valeu, Sao Paulo. Valeu, Valeu Sao Paulo. Um... Other than that, uh, if you're listening on the iTunes, give us a five-star rating. If you don't give us a five-star rating, you give us four-star, we're going to find you and punch you. <laughs> yep. So We're going to find you. We're going to find you and punch you. All right. I think I got everything, unless Chelly had something to say. I do. Play the outro.